Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Elevate podcast. I'm here as always with my co-host and my buddy, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Hey, so do you like gumbo? I do like gumbo, actually. So for those of you that don't know, here in the States, one of the, one of the primary dishes on the, on the Cajun side from our friends in Louisiana is gumbo. And it's something that's very popular. It's something we, we know. It's kind of like spaghetti with Italian or brisket with barbecue. And, and yet today, we're not talking about gumbo, the food, unfortunately. Yeah, we're going to talk about gumbo, the blockchain. That's <laughs> right. Which is, I'm super excited for this episode. I, I think you and I talk about this all the time. Over the last several years, there's been a significant push from the investor class to address ESG issues. And now you're seeing the government start to step up with the Biden administration, with the SECs pushing forward, what the legislature is doing. And so as we talk about reporting, as we talk about collecting data and, and getting usable, you know, comparable data that can be put together in a package that can start to deal with these issues is something that is so critically important. So excited to have this conversation today about some spicy gumbo. <laughs> yes. And that's, and so we're going to talk about the gumbo net ESG. So gumbo net ESG is a derivative. It's one of the services that a company called data gumbo, who we're going to be talking to Andrew Bruce, their CEO about today. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're also going to get the insight segment from Donovan Buck, who's the partner and vice president of software engineering for ESG reporting partners. So we're looking forward to that as well. You may remember Leanne Bishop from before. She's one that recommended him. So we're looking forward to that. And so between now and then, we're going to give a little station break, let our, a little love to our friends at HPE. So after that, so stay tuned and we'll be right back. Hey, Sean, a quick note about our sponsor, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Through HPE's extensive activity and experience in the oil and gas industry, they have identified six key areas to enable your company to get ahead of the competition. Cloud-based consumption, advanced analytics, secure mobility solutions, physical and cybersecurity offerings, asset virtualization, and application modernization. So with that, do you want to find out more about one or all of those solutions? Go to www.hpe.com forward slash engage forward slash IOT or click on the link in the show notes for more information and to download their white paper about these subjects. All right. Thank you for that. All right, so we're here with Andrew Bruce. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us. Thank you. Appreciate you making time. No problem at all. So I know there's a great way to figure out. So Data Gumbo, the company that we just alluded to about blockchain and things like that, you know, what you're doing around, it was really interesting to hear you on. And I recommend anybody out there to go listen to our, our sister show, the Oil and Gas Tech Podcast with Michael O'Sullivan, who interviewed you recently and back in October of 2020. And I was, and as I was listening to that, I was really taken aback by the simplicity of what Data Gumbo is doing as a company and how you recognize, you kind of did the smart, typical business thing of, you know, it may not be the most romantic thing. I mean, it's not super exciting high technology, but recognizing that from an automation or from a 
processing standpoint around contracts and efficiencies and things of that nature. And before we get too complicated on that, and not to steal too much thunder from that episode, because I do want to recommend that those go out and listen to it, kind of the short version was you, you made a story comparison about your parents and how they used to go down to the store. We may remember that from the old West movies and just put it on my bill. And when I find gold one day, I'll pay you kind of thing. Or, and then we, and sometimes they wouldn't, and it just becomes, and we see this in the industry. We all know this. I think if you spend any time out there, invoicing and accounts payable and accounts receivable, you know, there's got to be a better way. And you guys are doing that on the contract side. But, but that's not really what we're going to talk about today. We can give some homage to that if you want to talk about that. But where you guys have, have, and I remember talking to Maxine. So we were at the OGGN happy hour that we had to celebrate our millionth download. And I'm meeting people and I'd, I'd seen data gumbo all over the place. And so I finally got the chance to talk to Maxine and I said something about what we're doing about ESG. And as soon as I did, she just lit up and she, <laughs> she was like, we have a story for you. It was right before you went to launch this. And so you've now launched this software called Gumbo Net ESG. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time to give us an idea of where the initiative was, like where you saw the pain point, you saw it on the other side, but relative to what you're doing and relative to Gumbo Net ESG, can you tell us a little bit about what was the, what did you see out there in the world that said, hey, we got software that we need to implement that can help this process? Well, we've always had this theory or hunch that if we can measure the utilization of machines, which of course we do, because we have to, then we should be able to understand what the carbon footprint of that machine is. And if you kind of put all the pieces together, then maybe there was something there. We were just kind of pulling on a string. And I had breakfast with one of our investors, and he said, oh, you need to talk to our ESG guy in the office because he can either confirm or deny your theory. So we had a meeting in, in the office over here, and kind of laid out the hypothesis and he said well actually yeah it's if you look at well first of all there was a whole question about you know, standards and you know what is how do you think about standards and how do you think about credibility and how I mean should we come up with our own standard god forbid <laughs> um, and thank god we didn't but you know does the hypothesis hold water and he said well I recommend you go to the SASB webpage and look at you know the data requirements for SASB reporting so we did that, and then we did a kind of an analysis of the data requirements for, for SASB reporting and compared it to the data that we capture anyway for transactional certainty. And there's about a 98% overlap. So they say it's better to be lucky than good. Um, <laughs> and so we're actually already pulling all the data that we need. It's just utilizing the data in, in a different way. So these attorneys, we, we sat down with them and said, okay, here's our hypothesis, here's the analysis we've done, here's how we think we can go forward. And they said, they gave us two thumbs up and said, yep, that's 100%, we support that and recommend you build a product around it. So we did, and that's how it all came about. Nice. And so I'm kind of curious, you've been around the industry before, we talked a little bit before this, and as you can go and see in the links, we'll link his LinkedIn profile, but you were for companies like NOV, you've been around the business world for a long time. For We've heard CSR, we've heard SRI, you know, I always tell people when we start talking about what is ESG and it's like, well, it's this thing, we've, we've heard it, we've known about it our entire time. This is not really that new. It's just that its priorities have changed. So in regard to your perspective, can you tell us a little about what you thought of ESG before this reporting software and then did it change as you started to understand how this reporting was going to be valued? Has your personal viewpoint on ESG changed or has it stayed the same? ultimately around that subject. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's quite frankly, I thought it was a bunch of hogwash that was going to be just kind of go away. But we did a, a meeting with a bunch of executives who some of them are investors, some of them are customers over the Christmas break and said, you know, what of the top priorities that you've got on your plate, what are you seeing? And ESG was number one, pegged at number one. 
And so I had to kind of revise my, my, my personal opinions. And I mean, I think the reality is, you know, as we're saying, seeing the administration and the initiatives, especially from Europe, I mean, they're driving, they're driving the whole agenda and you, you can't ignore it. I mean, it's here to stay. And now the real question is, how do you make it more than lip service? And I think that's the key, right? I mean, if it's just lip service, you don't need us. But if you are actually going to put some meat and teeth behind the reporting, and is it more than just a PowerPoint presentation or is it... <laughs> Somebody described it recently as a pretty girl on, top, on the front of a brochure, then you can ignore the brochure, right? <laughs> right. But it, there has to be some credibility behind the numbers, and you have to be able to prove it. Well, you don't have to be able to, be able to prove it today, but very quickly you're going to have to be able to prove it. And that's, that's where we come in, because we're doing the reporting based on actual fact and actual measurement from the field. So it's not a kind of finger in the air saying, well, we think uh, you know, approximately this. You know, We've got this big big hairy goal of being carbon neutral by you know 2050 okay what's your plan how are you going to do it how are you going to prove it and what's the roadmap and that's where it starts getting a little bit more as you said you know from industry it's all well and good having a, a big audacious goal but what's the meat how are you going to do how are you going to actually do it so tell us give us a little bit of idea exactly what is gumbo net esg so kind of give us the, the 101 as far as what it is exactly before I do that, I should probably give a little bit of background on exactly how, how sure. we do what we do, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to steal a thunder from your previous podcast, but <laughs> just, just so if somebody's hearing this from cold, yeah. what we do is we take the terms of a contract between party A and party B, and I will use the example of the gas station, but I'll use the simplified version. So if you go to a gas station, you swipe your credit card, you select a grade of gasoline, you pump your gas, and then you leave. Essentially, that is a smart contract, a blockchain smart contract in operation because you're agreeing to the price, the grade of the gas, the quantity that you pumped, and then a payment is made, an automated payment based on those terms. And that is essentially a smart contract in operation. So what we do is that for industry so that we take the terms of the contract between party A and party B. So I agree that if I deliver X amount of diesel to you, then you will pay me Y. And you automate that transaction. So you take all... 30 or 40 step process and you turn it into a well a two-step process deliver the product and pay as i said earlier on it turns out the exact same data is used for esg reporting so now we can say okay based on how much diesel was delivered or how much water was picked up or how much an engine was used we know exactly what the carbon impact is and so according to whatever standard you're using whether it be the sasb standard or gri whatever else it is you can write a smart contract that uses the exact same data and say, okay, this is how much was used or how much was delivered or how much was dropped off. Based on that, you know the exact impact according to these standards. So you just write a different smart contract using the same data that provides you a report depending on which standard you're, you're using. You mentioned earlier, just talking about efficiency gains and trying to find a way, you know, we've got so much data that we have to collect. What's the most efficient way? When I talk to clients, they talk about, you know, drinking from a fire hose. How are we supposed to deal with the ESG just on the data collection side? So if you could, if you could expand a little bit more kind of on the smart contract side, how gumbo net ESG works in parallel with the traditional commercial gumbo net. And then how, how many, talk about step reduction, how, you know, efficiency gains that we're talking about using this platform rather than just unleashing a whole bunch of people to try to gather data? Yeah, a really good question. I guess that's what you're paid for. <laughs> Am I paid? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's a good question because I mean, I've tried to put myself in, in the executive shoes. If I was you know, working for one of the companies I used to work for, 
how on earth do you solve this problem? And it's okay, you've got this nefarious ESG thing that people are waving in your face and making demands that you, you satisfy. How on earth do you go about solving it? It's a huge, horrible problem. Horrible meaning it's difficult to solve. What I like about what we're doing and what SASB's done or any of these standards is, you're right, there's a whole bunch of data out there, but what data do you need? What we've actually got is we've got a perfect blueprint because if you go through the SASB standard or any of the other standards, it's okay, you need this data field, this data field, this data field, and we're already collecting that data. And if we're not, then we just go in. One of the secrets of smart contracts that may be not immediately apparent, it's not a big data problem, it's a specific data problem. Meaning, I only need to know the price and the quantity and the quality to be able to make you a payment. I don't need to know everything else that happened in the environment to confirm that transaction. And it's the same for ESG reporting. So what you're, what, what you're essentially given with these standards is a blueprint. So, okay, I need this field, this field, this field, this field. And based on those fields, you can use it to build a report that satisfies the, the requirements of you know, whatever standards you're working with. Did answer your question? It did answer the question. And one thing I, I want to follow up on related to that is just CapEx. I think a lot of people are worried, okay, what infrastructure do I have to put in place to actually come up with a reliable ESG reporting system? And I think that is also a big headwind and causes, you know, causes issues internally in the, in the corporate environment. And, and, and I think the solution from Data Gumbo is one that is it's part of a subscription. You can step in, it can run parallel in conjunction with regular Gumbo Net. Just talk a little bit about you know, kind of how it executes and, and cost and the ease of the solution. Oh, there are so many answers to that question. We'll take all of them. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is, I hate the glib phrase, but I came up with it, so I guess I use it. You get ESG for free, right? Because you're using the same data anyway, you get the savings, the commercial savings that come by automating these contracts are huge. I mean, tens of millions of dollars for you know, simple things like you know, picking up and delivering water. It can be, you know, not in their case, it's not probably tens of millions, but it's, it's definitely millions of savings that you can get through that contract. So if I'm already getting the data that I need, you don't need CapEx because you're already, like you said, we're all drowning in data anyway. And it's one of the premises for the company. That's why we call Data Gumbo, because you've got lots of data. You put it in a pot, stir it up, make it taste good, you get Data Gumbo. So we've all got lots of data. If you don't have the data that you need, there's services that are cropping up in support of you know, not just what we're doing, but other companies as well. So there's, there's measurement as a service. There's at least 10 companies that provide that. So they provide metering and measurement as a service so that you don't have to spend the capex. So you can get the data, you can get the specific data. And because of this blueprint, I mean, you've already got a plan. So you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to implement this standard, which means I need this data in this contract. And guess what? By doing, collecting that data, you're going to realize financial savings. So it is, it's not a big CapEx lift. It's not a big, it's not, I mean, you shouldn't be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on consultants trying to figure this out. It's just a blueprint that you've, you execute on because everything you need is already there. It's just a matter of putting together the project plan saying, okay, which, what are the priorities? How are we going to do this? Are we going to go just, you know, tier one reporting? Are we going to go tier two? And if you want to go really get after it, tier three, all that's possible because you, by definition, are measuring your value chain because you're measuring the deliveries. If you're an offshore vessel, I mean, you're, if you're measuring the drilling contract, you're measuring from the offshore vessel provider, you're measuring the, the shore base, you're measuring the helicopter provider, 
You're measuring the drilling rig, you're measuring the service company, you're measuring the oil company, you're measuring all of those to be able to confirm the commercial impact of the contract. And guess what? If you can do all that, then now you can start doing interesting things from an ESG reporting perspective. So it's a matter of prioritizing what you want to focus on first from the ESG perspective and uh, writing the, the smart contract to do that. In fact, you don't have to write smart contract. We've already done it. But if you want a customized version. So it's from the spirit of the ESG kind of already being there. You said that around the data that was already there. So it wasn't like it was something new. It just kind of triggered in my mind this. So a little bit of the question I asked you before as far as our our acceptance or our, the evolution of us bringing those ESG metrics into the boardroom, into the decision-making offices of presidents and such and such. So can you tell us a little bit about if it's already there, where do you think, I guess, in terms of adoption, like how are you seeing adoption being done by those that maybe start out kind of like you, like I think like a lot of us maybe in some way kind of like, what is this? And then it becomes virtue signaling and like, is this really valuable? But now you see that, no, there's some real things that can happen here. And actually, these are actually business metrics at the end of the day. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of how customer adoption and how you can help? What do you tell them when they look at you and go, why should I care about this? Okay, I was going to have one answer until that last sentence. (laughs) Why should you care? Well, because your board is asking you. People have got to solve this. This isn't a nice to have anymore, right, Matt? It's, It's something that the boards and investors are demanding. It's got to be solved. It's not us. It's not us trying to push an agenda. It's the agendas there. What we're saying is, it doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It's actually very solvable. It's extremely solvable. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on consultants to figure it out because you've already got everything you need. It's just a matter of, like I said, putting the project plan and the blueprint together to be able to execute on it. So it's, but as far as adoption, that's actually a little bit of an answer that people probably would be interested in because people say, well, maybe we don't want that transparency. And I think that that actually is the biggest problem is because we go and talk about radical transparency and say, okay, you're going to be able to prove to the Nats arse exactly what happened. And you're, you're going to be able to prove exactly what your ESG score is or your report is. And we've had companies say, well, we don't want that. That's really scary. So I think that that's actually a different question is, you know, at what point, I'm really interested in your opinion on this, is at what point is people, are people going to say, you don't have any choice. You've got to do it. And so when is that going to happen? Because right now, like I said, there's lots of airy-fairy opinions, but there's very few people saying, okay, you actually have to prove this and without a shadow of doubt. And there's not very many companies doing that or willing to do that. So I agree with you. This is a great time to bring Donovan in. Donovan, you've been listening quietly and attentively, I'm sure. So what's kind of standing out to you as far as part of the conversation and what would you like to say? So our perspective is a little a little different from what Data Gumbo sees. We're kind of at the other end of the process where we're taking the data, we're consuming the data that comes from a package like Data Gumbo, and we are presenting the information to the various stakeholders. We're building the sustainability reports. What we see, even with our more mature clients, is that they are not, they don't have the processes in place like Data Gumbo. And what they're doing instead is a spreadsheet and a good pair of sneakers because they're gonna be running around a lot. (laughs) And it's uh, very risky to do because again, you can't prove that information if you don't have an audit trail. So we see situations where sometimes our customers will make mistakes, right? They're doing it all manually. They're trying to get this data right, but they have to come back to us and get those reports updated. So for the clients who are using something like Data Gumbo, it's, it's extremely helpful for us because we can consume an export or a data dump or an API to get that information real time straight from the system and remove the, the risk of error. 
Donovan, one of the things I want to ask you about is about audience. And let me explain what I'm, what I'm talking about. I, I think in many, we talk about sustainability reports. My clients talk about sustainability reports all the time. And I largely think of that as public consumption and government cons- consumption. It's telling a story. But I think one of the things we're going to see as a driver of some of this ESG stuff over the next few years is really customer demands. It's really your customers standing up. I mean, imagine being an OFS company and all of your upstream customers are now, you know, shooting for net zero. So some thoughts around, you know, this is about revenue and, and it goes to the adoption thing that you talked about, right? It's not just trying to appease the public or deal with government requirements. This is actually top line revenue question. How do we pull data together that, that we can then present in a separate report, part of a part of a proposal process to actually just get a job? And what are you guys seeing on that front as far as just dealing with customers, putting together different data packages for them saying, no, this is what we do. This is how we can help you achieve your net zero goals. So that is a push we are seeing a lot with our clients where they're able to, we'll say, trickle up, if you will, their sustainability practices so that they make their, their customers look good. Yeah, so. that's, that's something we're seeing is companies are saying, okay, we want to be able to, if we can do an ESG report as part of our, our transactions anyway, then we want to use that as a differentiator to help win business. So yeah, I completely agree. That's exactly what we're seeing. Is that something that's doable through the smart contract? I mean, let, let's say you have as part of GumboNet and then GumboNet ESG running parallel to it, and you've got a smart contract with one of your customers. You can literally just pull out very specific reports for that customer that are mapped to SASB or mapped to the GRI frameworks or whatever and say, look, guys, here's for what we did for you. Here's how much diesel we burned or here's our GHG. I mean, is that, is that doable on a just like customer by customer basis where you can actually absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so for this specific rig, you know, ex- exactly how much diesel was burned and what's the efficiency of the engines and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can roll it up for, for a specific machine if you want to. It's not just the rig. So then you know, the drilling contractor can turn around to the oil company and say, okay, here is your tier two emissions for this rig. And so then the oil company can use that as part of their reporting. So yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to say, Sean, mm-hmm. from my standpoint, thinking about it from the business side, like capturing that is I think what gets the C-suite most excited. It gets your director of marketing most excited. It gets your sales most excited because they can actually say, no, look, this is what we've actually done for you. Yes, we put out a great sustainability report. And you know my joke about this is it's got, <laughs> mountains, about it yeah, it's yeah. got mountains and flowers on it and it's got kids and swing sets and it's amazing. But what we're really <laughs> trying to capture is actual benefit for our customers. And how can we capture that data and say, hey, look, here's our emission levels. Uh, here's a specific report. This is how our rigs are beating our competitors' rigs. And, it, and you know, it gathers that information, puts it together, and puts you at the front of the line to get that business. You know, and we joke that, you know, that I'm rainbows and unicorn guy, but at the same time, I would be more than willing to give up the mountains and the swing sets like you talked about at the XRI conference. And that the joke is he, he mentioned this in, in a live panel and it just kind of made me laugh. And I would be willing to give that stuff up as well for it to be effective, for it to actually have an impact and for it to be something that is looked at and actually makes a difference both in a business sense and what these ESG pillars are trying to do. So I want to kind of, it seems to me like there's a, there's a marriage because a little bit, it's almost, I feel maybe this is an example of blockchain. Tell me if it's not. It seems like you're, so Data Gumbo provides through GumboNet and Gumbo, and GumboNet ESG. So you provide the data, but really where it seems like there's also this other need for, okay, now you help take that data and help the customer really understand how, not to massage it or misrepresent it, but what's the best way to utilize that data. It almost becomes a feed through back and forth where, to your point, what are the C-suite, what are the investors, what do the stakeholders care about? 
And so then that gives you an opportunity to go back to you and say, okay, well, is this data available? And how do we, versus, because you're reporting the data, but it's really up to the reporting side and the service y'all have is to help bring that out. How do you actually present it, manage it, utilize it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, there's, there's multiple components of a good sustainability report. It's not just the data, but there's also the narrative, the, the story you want to tell, presenting your brand, presenting your values, and showing how they align with what you're doing. Also highlighting the stuff you're doing well. You know, you might focus on particular areas that, that your company excels at. So can you tell, because that kind of that sparked in me something, as you all know, it's been media-wise, I love to have these conversations. There's lots of things happening in places like Clubhouse and just day-to-day podcasts, people I have conversations with. The overwhelming concern around that narrative is what you know, greenwashing, and of course, of course you're doing it the right way. Now all of a sudden, you know, all the water is pristine going in and out of what you're doing, and it wasn't always that way. What are you seeing and how are you managing to kind of overcome some of those preconceived notions, especially around the oil and gas industry. Well, a little earlier in this podcast, we said you don't necessarily need those consultants, those six-figure individuals who come in and tell you what you should say and how you should say it and how you should present yourself. But there is value there. They are plugged in. They see the gaffes that other companies have made, and they can help stop you from making those same mistakes. So don't discount the value of a good consultant in the process. Let me, let me clarify my statement. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily talking about, I'm talking about the piece of the puzzle before that. So, I mean, how do you put the blueprint together for how you're going to get the data to be able to present it so that you guys can use it, right? I mean, I mean, my background is computer science and God knows how many computer science projects there are within major corporations around the world saying, okay, I'm going to do this big data model that solves world hunger within the corporation and all those projects fail. And because it's, it's a massive data analysis problem of how do you do that? So that's the piece of the puzzle I'm talking about is what these standards bodies are doing is they're providing you the blueprint. Of, okay, here's the data model. Okay, now now we've got the blueprint. Let's go and get that data and then present it so that it can be presented in any useful way. It's more that, that piece of the puzzle. 100% agree on consultants. I'd also like to just throw in that lawyers are super important as well. So let's not discount the value of lawyers. You're making Andrew's his head spinning right now between lawyers and consultants. <laughs> no, but all, all joking aside, it does. I mean, it seems like there's so much from a data standpoint, Andrew, kind of help us. Is there, I know we're, I know this is all relatively new, but things are moving so fast, and especially in technology. Data, the amount of data processing, and especially on the side of AI and things of that nature. So I know you just launched this, but in the future, do you see those playing a role? And how do you see those playing a role? And, and is AI, is it something that could be an advantage? Or I mean, it's kind of a dumb rhetorical question, but what do you see as the advantages and disadvantages of kind of some of those future tech, future modifications to some of these technologies like this? Really interesting question. Never been asked that before. <laughs> so I'm, now I'm going to have to think on my feet. <laughs> AI in, in regards to, I mean, I guess the way you could use that would be the way I think about a lot of what we do with ESG is, as one of our customers says, you, you can't improve what you can't measure. And so if you can measure it, then you can start to improve it. Now, how do you proactively improve it? So can you use some kind of an AI algorithm to be able to proactively offer improvements in processes and procedures or operation of a machine to be able to improve your score? I think that's probably the best way of describing. And I I want to address one of the things that Donovan talked about earlier on, because it's something we haven't talked about, but where does blockchain come into this whole thing, right? It's not just... And why blockchain? Why do you need a blockchain? Number one is so that you've got a score that's not just being delivered by a one company. So it's not just oil company X or company Y saying that this is our report. But you've got all the other counterparties who are part of that transaction who've also got a record of all the same transactions. 
So no one company can mess with it. So you know that whatever is in that blockchain is correct because it, they can't change it because otherwise everybody else's blockchains will be, well, naturally that blockchain will become invalid and everybody will know it was you. And then the second thing is is that you now got an audit. So you would use the word audit. That's what triggered my, my brain is that you've got a you've rec- got a record of exactly what happened in perpetuity in the future. So you can use it for reporting today or you can use it in three years' time and you can go back to the exact record of exactly what happened. Yeah, if you consider that AI is really just stuffing a bunch of data into a computer program so it can look for correlations and patterns, you're building a data set if you're using something like that. That could be incredibly valuable in the future. There is another interesting aspect that comes from blockchain and, and the fact that you're actually making payments off it, there's all kinds of sensors out in the world and they're completely useless and they're getting knocked over by trucks and nobody really cares. But all of a sudden, if you're paying off that meter, you care passionately whether or not that meter is correct. And not only you, but the person, so both sides of the transaction now all of a sudden have a motivation to make sure that meter is correct. So guess what? Now you've got, you've got a clean source of data. So we collect the data so we can use it in a blockchain but we can also feed it off so to an AI engine or anything else. So you've got a very, very clean source of data that is everybody is commercially incentivized to make sure it's correct. Well, and to that point, I mean, I think that's the whole reason the SEC raised its hand and said we're stepping in. I mean, investors were screaming, we need reliable, comparable data. What's the best way to get to that finish line? And so they stepped up and said, okay, we're, we're going to put something together. We're going to force and mandate some particular frameworks or patterns. I'd be very curious to see what comes out of their process and how long it takes us to get there. But, you know, I've told you for a couple of years now that there will be <laughs> mandatory reporting, especially at least for the large caps initially for public companies on all of these issues. And so when you think about blockchain's ability from multiple points to create that reliability and then to rapidly put it in a situation where you can then generate the reports, whether it's for public consumption, whether it's for your customer consumption, it seems like win, win, win all the mm-hmm. way around. Yeah, for sure. So guys, this has gone by really, really quick. We really appreciate it. I wanted to ask one little last question before we go. It was kind of like a future around and it may be more yours than, than yours, but obviously I think you can you can contribute to this. In the future of reporting, like we continue SASBs, there's GRI, there's so many different ones that are seeing mergers. Reporting-wise and standard-wise, what do you see is coming in the short term? It's hard to say in the environment. I'm actually a little surprised at how much traction ESG reporting has gained. I'm thrilled to see what's happening, you know, what happened in Congress. There was a bill recently passed that talks about establishing a committee to define what standards need to be out there. You know, I don't know how far that's going to go, but there's pressure from the other side, from investors. And I think that's even more motivating for companies out there to respond and, and react, to be able to be competitive. I agree with that last part. I mean, I think that's really what's going to drive the behavior is the investment community. Because at the end of the day, all these businesses are in business to make money. And so I think that, you know, follow the money. They're going to drive what standards and what kind of reporting is acceptable and what is not. So, I mean, whether it's for public consumption for boards or investors, it's, that's, really, that's really what's going to be the driver. Well, I think, it's, I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing. I mean, it's in like an odd standpoint, but I think that that, that software and how it's able to help alleviate some of that pressure and really help boards be more effective and companies more effective is well worth the time. So, wishing nothing but the best of luck with going at ESG going forward and obviously with ESG reporting partners. Donovan, thank you all for coming on. I appreciate y'all taking your time to come talk to us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for July 2021. This month, we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. 
We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're always interested in staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on July 29th. Our June happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the June one, we hope to see you there this month at our July happy hour. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Don't forget that it's on July 29th. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events. The first one being the Doug Permian and Eagle Ford Conference at the Fort Worth Convention Center from July 12th to July 14th. And the next in-person event is the SPE International Data Science Convention at the Norris Convention Center in Houston, Texas on July 8th. Next, we have our two online events. The first being a Cognite webinar titled, From Buzzwords to Boardrooms, What Energy Leaders Really Think About the Transition Towards True Sustainability. And that's on July 8th from 11.30 to 12.30. And lastly, we have the US Africa Energy Forum, which is online on July 12th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for July. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, we want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate. innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate. Ha!